What ideas does the word surrender bring to your mind? Waving a white flag, giving up, or maybe releasing something or letting go? In this new series, we'll examine the idea of surrendering to God. Our time, our talent, our treasure, everything we have is given to us by God. What does it look like to open up our hands back to Him? Join us for this new journey in Surrender. So today is part four of a a series about surrender. And uh, the good news, if you've missed the first three, they're online. You can go back and catch those. But the whole series began, we we had to lay a foundation of what it's about. And the idea was that I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Right? You know, too often, especially in the American church, we kind of preach the idea Jesus saved you so someday you can go to heaven. Right now, live your best life the way you want to. You know, the American dream. Go and fulfill everything that's in your heart. And I'm not saying that you can't do some of those things, but the reality is that's not what Jesus did. He did not die on the cross so that we can pursue the American dream. When he died on the cross, we did not get a certificate of freedom to live our own lives. What happened is he transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. It was a transfer of ownership. We're still owned. So he's supposed to be our king. And that was the the whole challenge of that message. Who actually is your king? You in your own world? Or is God actually God? Is Jesus the king of your life? That was a a tough foundation, wasn't it? And then we're going to build on that. So for the, the next three weeks, what we've been doing is we've been looking at three very practical things in our lives Uh, that we find difficult to surrender. So part two, we talked about surrendering our money. Our Garner's Ferry Campus Pastor Brian Harkai shared with us uh, just that challenge. Uh, Again, it wasn't asking for any specific thing. Was it saying give more to the church? It was just asking a very simple question. Will you do whatever God tells you to do? Will you live according to the principles that God has set in the Bible? If God says be generous to those people, will you go buy their dinner? If God says, take some of your vacation money and give it to the family that can't have a vacation, you take less and they they get something, would you be willing to do that? It's just a simple question of, am I using my money to build my world or God's kingdom? And, And we thought that was tough enough. It got a little tougher on part three where we talked about surrendering control. I've heard back from some of our life group leaders that a lot of the discussions that we're having in our life groups, and by the way, I hope you're in a life group so that you're able to take what we do here and apply to your lives and and have people sharing life with you. You're not doing life alone. Uh, But really the biggest thing that I've been hearing from our life group leaders is that that message was almost idealistic. Like to seriously give up control and say, God, I'm good, dead or alive, whatever you want from me. God, I'm good, rich or poor, fired or hired, whatever you choose for me, I surrender to your control. We say things like, well, you know, Paul who wrote the Bible, okay, he could do that. Or some of the Bible anyway. Uh, Billy Graham, he could do that. But most of us, Monday through Friday, it's really hard to surrender control. Uh, Well, the truth is, I think we're about to do the hardest topic of the whole series. Uh, The reality is uh, surrendering control is not very hard because you don't actually have any control anyway. Uh, What you're doing is just surrendering uh, the fights and temper tantrums that you throw when you discover God's actually in control in the first place. So uh, that one actually is not as hard as you think. The one that we're going to talk about today... That might be the kicker. But hey, before we get into the uh, final part of the series, I want to ask everybody a really important question. Christmas music. Do you have to wait till after Thanksgiving to start playing Christmas music? Raise your hand if you are a purist. After Thanksgiving only. Okay, raise your hand if Christmas music is good all year long. If it makes you happy, you're totally good with that. Some of you still have yet to take down your Christmas tree, right? There you go. 
How about this one? Got to raise your hand for one of the three. Three options here. You believe that dark chocolate is the best member of the chocolate family. Come on, everybody. You believe that milk chocolate is the best member of the chocolate family. Or you believe the whole chocolate family is pointless. You don't like it at all. If your hands are currently up, we have a prayer team that will be by the stage at the end of the service. We do cast out demons here at Grace Life. You apparently need that service. Anyway. Did you notice something about both of those questions? Everybody has an opinion. We all have opinions about everything all the time. And you know, the reality is a lot of our opinions are about things that don't matter. My son is moving into his first house and my wife is helping paint his house. And uh, she, she complains about every color that he has chosen. <laughs> and she'll keep bringing me into the room. Honey, don't, don't you think this is too blue? Don't you, what, what do you, not your house, babe. Your opinion of his wall color really doesn't matter. Once you finish painting it, you won't see it very often. I assure you, he's not the one cooking Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> we won't be coming by here very often. It'll be okay. Like, just, it's not that important. And the reality is a lot of our opinions aren't that important. They're not about things that matter. What about when your opinions are about things that matter? Like your employer changes their policy. They do something that is now going to affect your lifestyle and maybe even your vacation plans with your kids or something. You, you, you actually have to start to decide, is my opinion gonna, something I'm going to like act upon and look for a new job? How dare I say the word government? What if government policy, they, they do something that goes against your opinion and you say, maybe I need to immigrate, maybe I need to make a change. Are you going to act upon your opinion about things that, that matter? Let's go bigger. What do you do when your opinions are different from God's? Today we're going to close out the series with the challenge and the question, what do we do to surrender our opinions? Can we surrender our opinions when they are different from God's? If you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along with me. If not, it'll all be on the screen. That's the good news. We're in 2 Corinthians today, and we're going to start in chapter 10, and we're going to begin this, this portion of the conversation at verse 3, and this is where the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, Wait a minute, waging war? You and I are waging war? Yes, we are. And all too often we have forgotten that our lives, what we do, every aspect of it is part of a greater war. There is a spiritual war taking place around us that includes us and that involves us. Matter of fact, too often we don't understand that there are only three roles that we can have in this war. We are either a soldier or we are a prisoner or we are a casualty. Those are the only three options for humans in the spiritual war between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God that is taking place all around us. The problem is many people, even Christians sometimes, actually try to live their life as a civilian. And you can't do it because you're not separated from the war. But what happens is you end up thinking that nothing matters because there's a war over there and you are just going about your, your day, working your job, getting your money, saving for vacation. And you end up with a very powerless, meaningless life. And you say, is this all there is? And God would say, no, that is not all there is. As a matter of fact, quick little commercial. Now, starting in two weeks, right after Easter, we're going to be doing a series on the kingdom of God, understanding a life that is powerful, that matters, that represents God's kingdom in his side of the war upon the earth. Your life will never be the same. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you've got a friend that thinks life is mundane, boring, or useless, or you do yourself, come to that series and bring them along with you. 
So here we go. We currently, according to the passage, live a life that is human. It's in the flesh, but is a part of a greater spiritual war. If you're in war, we probably need weapons, don't we? Right? Got any uh, military folks in the... Make some noise. There you go. Whatever. We'll move on. Nah, it was too weak. I don't want that opinion. And he goes on to say, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. So what that means is we have spiritual weapons that have a spiritual power to impact the spiritual war. I'm going to go further. I'm going to, because scripture did. They're not just spiritual weapons. They are weapons that are backed by the power of God. They have divine power to have a spiritual impact. What are those kinds of weapons? Well, we'd say things like prayer. You pray, you bring God into the battle. Uh, Faith. You have faith, you bring God into the battle. Uh, The power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is God. You bring him into the battle. The word of God. The Word of God is God Himself revealed to us as we need to know Him. So we bring God, you see what I'm saying? Now we could probably take time and we could list more things that would be divine stronghold power, divine power weapons that would destroy strongholds. That's, that's kind of what that's about, but we don't need to get all into the list. What we need to do is understand why we have that list. So, so far we're in a war and we have weapons. What do we do with that? It says we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take thought, every, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Wait a minute. I, I think Paul got a little confused, got something out of order here. He's talking about a war. We've got this battle raging all around us. We've got weapons to win the war. And then he starts thinking, talking to us about thinking and, and opinions. Now, this is out of place, Paul. You, you messed up the, the imagery of the battle that we're fighting. And Paul would say to us, I didn't mess it up. I wrote it exactly the way God said. Because what you and I need to know is that every war that has ever been fought included a war of propaganda. Y'all get that? Every war that's ever been fought has included misinformation and deception. The idea is to get us to believe something that is not correct. Human opinions are weapons in this war as well. They're just used for the wrong side of the battle. Matter of fact, think about this. If you can get people to believe things that aren't true, you can get them to do anything and fight for the wrong cause. If you can get people to believe things that are not true, you can actually get them to change sides. Let's go back to the very beginning because this is what was taking place when Satan came to Eve and said, did God really say you can't eat of this? You you can't do this? And, And she said, well, God actually said this and apparently got a little bit wrong. And then Satan pushed back. Well, well, he said that, but only because of this. And it's not what he told you. He actually doesn't want good for you. He wants good for himself. He's, he's trying to keep you down. And, and what Eve did at that moment was think about what was said. And you know what Satan was trying to do from the very beginning? To get her to form her own opinion about God's word and God and his character. And then to act upon it. If he can get us to come up with our own opinion of what God says or who God is, and then to actually live by that opinion over what God says about himself, then he wins. Everything comes down to that. So it turns out if we want to win this war, the recipe begins with dethroning the propaganda that comes from the enemy. Until we have truth, we don't even know what we're fighting. We don't even know which way to go or what to do. And if you're saying, well, what is the propaganda? Well, it it told us earlier. It is every argument, every lofty opinion. I love that word lofty. Like these arrogant, foolish opinions that we come up with that stand opposed to the knowledge of God. 
And we actually take thought, take every thought captive that stands opposed to the knowledge of God. That's how we actually win the Bible. So it turns out, win the war. Uh, so what it means is the whole thing comes down to whose opinion is higher. You win the war when you can answer whose opinion is higher. Is it mine or is it God's? And I need to go ahead and tell you the answer to that question is not what you say right now in church listening to me. The answer is not what you say right now. The answer is what you do in life Monday through Saturday when your opinion is different from God's. When you actually have to choose what I think, what I want, what the world tells me versus what God says. When you have to choose between those two, well, then that is the real question. Ultimately, it's a question of authority. The opinion that you go with is the opinion that has the most authority in your life. Yours, your friends, TikToks, or God's. And the list could be long, but it's a question of authority. Let me give you an illustration for this. Uh, here at Grace Life Church, if you're familiar with our government, you, you'll already have understood how this works. But the highest level of spiritual authority at Grace Life Church is our elders. They're the ones that are responsible for the spiritual health of the church, what, what gets taught in the church, accountability, financial accountability, everything rests with them. They are the highest authority in the church. But as we see in the Bible, we've actually added a layer above that. We call it our oversight team here, are the words. Some other churches just have a different name for it. And what that is, is it's people outside of grace life that can speak into the lives of the elders and the pastors, that they have more experience, they are wiser, they are further down the road. In our case, it is three pastors who are all older than me, pastor larger churches than me, so that they have been through things I haven't been through, so they can give me an advice at a time that I don't have an answer. Does that make sense? And if you say, well, why do you have that? Well, it's just like what we see in Scripture. Paul and Barnabas and Peter and people who travel around and they end up writing a lot of the Bible and it is them teaching. It really is the oversight team teaching elders and pastors what to do. Guys like Timothy and Titus. Is everybody following this? If you didn't, that's okay. There will not be a test on church government. But I just wanted you to understand the story. So we have an oversight team. And I talk to them all the time. I always have questions for them. What do we do about this? What do we do about that problem? And we went through really a difficult thing at one point. And we've gone through more than one difficult thing because this is a church that's in a spiritual war with humans, okay? So that happens more than once. Uh, but this one in particular, when I said, how do we handle it? I didn't like their answer. And so I said, well, I don't understand that. Why do we have to do it that way? And I didn't like that answer any more than I did the first one. So what did we do? We did what they said. And somebody would push back right now and say, but Jimmy, you're the senior pastor. You are the person called by God, given the seat to lead this spiritual family. You have authority. And if God gave you that seat, you should act upon what you think and what you believe to be best because God puts you there. And I would say that sounds good, but follow this. If I only do what my authority says when I agree with it, then it's not my authority. My opinion is. And you and I have to take that same story and apply it to God's word. If we only do what God's word says when we agree with it, then God's word is not our authority. Our opinion is. And if our opinion is our highest authority, then we are our own God. That was worthy of an ouch. 
Not an amen, but one of those all, yeah, okay, that's all right. I'm going to get you guys before we're done here, just so you know. That was about the nicest thing I'm going to say all day. Because we really do struggle to surrender our opinions. We really do struggle to truly make God, God in our lives. People ask me, they, they come to Grace Life and they, they'll come to me and ask questions like, well, hey, hey, Pastor, I'd, I'd like to know, what do you think about? And they will raise some controversial topic that's in the world today. And some of you, uh, you've asked this question, and what happens is people always get a response they don't like and, and kind of have an awkward moment, so no one ever asked this question twice. <laughs> but I always answer with, why do you care what I think? Are you trying to live your life for my approval? Do you think I sit on the throne to judge you? Don't ask what I think. I'll tell them what the Bible says. Because what I think is what God thinks. I, I've just, I've kind of made that choice in my life long ago. If God's word has spoken, I am done. I have no opinion other than that. Some people will try to rearrange the question a little bit, or they'll go to another staff member. What does Grace Life believe about? Where does Grace Life stand on the issue? And I can assure you, you will never find a Grace Life staff member, or at least not one that will have their job the next day, Answer the question with, well, we believe, and then answers your question about that topic. They'll never say that because that's not how we believe at all. What they will always say to you, any response to any question you ask them is, we believe the Bible says, and then they'll fill in the blank. In other words, we hold no opinion. Don't ask what Grace Life thinks. We hold no opinion other than the Bible is God's word. Any answer we have after that comes out of the Bible. We believe the Bible teaches that, and then we'll tell you what the Bible says about your question. We will never give you the idea that we as a church are our own entity, come up with our own ideas, and we paid for our own lives on the cross, therefore we get our own opinions, and we have written our own scripture. We will never give you that idea. It's not how this church works, because it's not what I believe, because Jesus did that for us. God is on the throne. He's the one who loves us. The truth is, that is really why our world is so divided today. Because it's all about my opinion or your opinion. What do you think about? And if I don't like your opinion, then I'm not nice to you anymore. Our world has become incredibly uncivil towards people whose opinions differ from each other. It's become quite ugly. We unfriend people. We don't talk to them anymore. We don't like them anymore. And it would all be over an opinion. And so what has happened is, in order to win the war of my opinion versus your opinion, it is all about who can get loudest, who can put it out on social media the most, who can get the most to agree with them, because it is just a battle of human opinions. And we're mean, and we're uncivil, and we're ungodly. And you know what we need to solve this problem? If we want to bring any kind of civility back to our world and any kind of kindness towards each other, we need a higher opinion. We need to say, I know you think that and I think this, but God thinks that, so now we're done. Let's go have lunch together. We need a higher opinion. Now look, I, can, I get the reality that there are people on planet earth that say, I do not believe in the God of the Bible. I have not given my life to Jesus. I therefore will not surrender to his opinions written in his scripture. I accept that. At least they're honest about where they stand. I can't fix what people are doing in their own lives if God is not their God. What I've been called to do upon planet earth is at the very least challenge those of us who say we believe in Jesus, he died for our sins, we're going to heaven, but I'll be my own king until I get there. That's the job that God has given me. And, and so that's where my difficulty comes in is, is those of us who say, well, it is this book only. There is only one source upon the earth that says that you can be forgiven for your sins by the blood of Jesus Christ and go to heaven. 
And then we start picking parts and opinions of God and we get rid of them. I believe that preaching should be incredibly practical, relevant to your life. If I just stand up here and talk about something and it does not affect how you live Monday through Saturday, we have a problem. If I stand up here and talk about something and it sounds really good and you get all fired up and you all clap three times during the message, but you don't know what to do and you leave the room, then we have a problem. Now here's the problem today. To make what I'm talking about practical, it's going to get uncomfortable. So we're about to get practical, we're about to get relevant. It also means we're about to get personal and uncomfortable. Are you ready? Will you let me do this? That was not very strong. Here's the reality, you're not gonna like all of this, I'm gonna be as kind as I can. All I would like to do is share with you some of the opinions that you and I hear or even hold, and then show you what God's opinion might be to the contrary. Because what we have to do when we leave here today at the most practical level is answer the question, whose opinion is higher? Mine or God's? So for instance, popular opinion around us today is to defend yourself and to get back at anyone who has hurt you and to do it especially on social media where it humiliates them. God's opinion is love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Everybody good with that? I did the easy one first. Yeah, see if we keep y'all amen and we'll just see if we can keep that going. Popular opinion is that we get to define right and wrong. It's up to us to decide. And matter of fact, our cultural opinion is so strong that it says whatever someone says is right, no one gets to tell them is wrong. Well, God's opinion is there is a way that seems right to a man, no matter how much he believes it or thinks about it, but its end is the way to death. And woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. You see, the reality is this. God has clearly defined right, wrong, good, and evil, darkness, and light. He, he has defined every one of those. It is not up to our opinion to do such. Why? Because God has moral absolutes. Opinions do not. God says, this is right, this is wrong. It always has been, it always will be because I, the Lord, do not change. Opinions change. They change with generations. They change with history. Opinions differ from one culture to the next. Opinions differ from one nation to the next. Opinions differ in your own life from one decade to the next. See, God never changes, but opinions do. And if we're gonna run our entire world upon such flippant and baseless ideas that we're not even willing to hold firmly to them from one generation to the next or one culture to the next, we might find ourselves in trouble. Popular opinion, at least according to TikTok, is that it's your body and you can do with it as you please. God's opinion is 
offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Every single thing you do with your body or in your body in every way is actually an act of worship. So the question that we all have to ask is what God is pleased by the worship I just did with my body. Because every act is worship. Popular opinion is there are many paths to heaven, so just find the path that works for you. Be a good person. God's opinion is, this is what the Lord says, he who created the heavens, he alone is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He is the one who says, I am he. I am the Lord and there is no other. Just leave that on the screen for a second. I'm going to give you a nerd moment that will help you out. If you're ever reading your Bible and it says the word Lord, regularly written, lowercase, it's just talking about who's in charge, Lord. You'll hear people come and say, hey, Lord, may I have the day off? That, that's what they mean by that, master. But when you see the Lord in all caps, like you see it right here, it is actually God's personal name of Yahweh. That's what that represents. It's all how they translate the Hebrew word and they put it into what we can understand today. It is the name that God gave himself to talk to his people. In other words, there are people all around you. They all say they have a God. So I don't want you walking around saying I worship God. They'll get confused. I want you to say I worship Yahweh. And he says, only Yahweh did that. Me. Me the God of the Bible. Matter of fact, his son Jesus goes further to say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So God's opinion is very, very strong. There is only one God and only way, one way to be right with him. Every path does not get you there. Popular opinion in our world today is that my sexual choices are based on my preference and my happiness alone. God's opinion is a little different. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, commit adultery, or practice homosexuality, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Popular opinion is it's a very material world and I need nice stuff. God's opinion is godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of it. Popular opinion is to define sexuality and identity. God's opinion is, these are the words of Jesus. Have you not read that he who created them, Yahweh, from the beginning made them male and female? Very clearly defined words in the original language. It's interesting that a lot of people would try to say Jesus never spoke on the issue and he actually did a lot. Popular opinion is, I made this money, so it's all mine alone. God's opinion is, a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It's holy, set apart is what that word means. It is set apart to the Lord, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, as he has explained it. God goes as far in his opinions to say, will man rob God? Yet you figured out how. You're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes and contributions. Let me stop picking on popular opinion in our world for a moment. Let me pick on popular opinion in the American church for a moment. I can't tell you the number of Christians that say, well, I know the Bible kind of says that, but I don't really trust my church or I don't trust the leaders or I don't like the pastor's car. And can I ask you why in the world you trust any church and any church leadership with your soul and your children, but not your wallet? 
If that's the case, then I think you just figured out what is really God in your life. And it's in your back pocket or your purse. I don't know about you, but if I can't trust them with my wallet, I will not give them my soul or my children. Find a new church if you can't trust them with your money. Popular opinion is, my parents don't understand me and they don't know what's best. Oh, that is just funny, teenagers. Because you know what? You are not the first ones to come up with this one. (laughs) This opinion has been raining upon the earth since the first child. Adam and Eve looked at their kids and said, don't you do that. And they looked back and said, excuse me, you do not tell me what to do. You see that pretty place over there? We used to live there. I never got to experience it. Now we're living over here because y'all got us thrown out of over there because y'all don't listen to God. I ain't listening to you. I know what's best for my life. And there is human history, everyone. (laughs) But God's opinion is, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Popular opinion is, we get to define marriage and family. God's opinion is, therefore, a man, not an ambiguous term in the original language, shall leave his father, a man, and his mother, a woman, and hold fast to his wife, not an ambiguous term, and they shall become one flesh. Popular opinion is to reject part of the Bible. God's opinion is all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. You do understand this one is a real problem for us. Because one sentence in here says that every sentence is from God. If that sentence is true, then what do you do with all of the opinions that disagree with the rest of the sentences? And if that one sentence is not true, then good luck with your life because then you can't trust any other sentence, including the one that says you can be forgiven for your sins and go to heaven. We have a serious conundrum. Either this actually is God's word, it is his revelation of himself and his character and his nature and his expectations for mankind, or it is utterly and completely useless. And you and I need not meet ever again, because without this, we have no basis for anything we say we believe. Popular opinion is that pornography is okay and normal. Statistically, it is normal. But God's opinion is, I say to you that everyone who looks only, who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Popular opinion is to insult and reject authority. God's opinion is let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. He goes on to voice more opinion and say pray for those in authority and honor those in authority. And I think many of us would struggle to say the memes we share from one administration to the next are honoring. But it is popular opinion to do so, right? Popular opinion is simply to declare there is no God. You get to decide if you believe in a God or if there is a God. And well, God has an opinion. He says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Because I'm here, been here, put you there. Only a fool doesn't see that. I understand that you may be on a journey of discovering who God is. I would simply ask or encourage you, ask God to reveal himself to you. Popular opinion is life is short, get a divorce. That's a billboard I read in the last month on the interstate. True story. 
God's opinion is, I say to you, whoever divorces except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Popular opinion is to declare your intelligence, your understanding, and your learning as greater than God's word. You're too smart to believe in such foolish antiquities. God's opinion is, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Popular opinion is that abortion is a form of birth control. It's a personal decision and even a right. God's opinion is for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together when? In my mother's womb. God was working at that point. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me before the first one ever took place. God's opinion shares that when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life. God just called the child in the womb life. It's his opinion. I'll stop. We could probably go further. I'm sure I've crossed at least one or two opinions held in this room so far. I want to make sure I share some good news with you. Our God is a God of grace, of love, forgiveness. If anything that I've listed so far or the Holy Spirit has brought anything else to mind and you have found yourself siding with the wrong opinion, the good news is the central theme of the Bible is redemption. God has rescued his children that we're forgiven by what Jesus did. So I don't want any person in here or online feeling guilt or shame or condemnation or saying, oh, no, no, what do I do now? It's very simple. You turn to God and say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'll change my ways. Forgiveness is freely given. Redemption is God's heart. The question though is, are you willing to surrender your opinion? It's one thing to say, God, would you forgive me, but I'm gonna keep doing it. Are we able to say, God, I surrender my opinion. I will change the way that I am living to match up with yours. Hey, can I just be honest? I think this is maybe the most controversial or at least the most challenging message I've ever preached. You see, I could preach a message about God telling you to be nice to your neighbor. So when you leave here today, you get to choose. Are you going to go home and smile and wave? Or are you going to frown and wave only one finger? It'd be a little easier. But what I've preached here today, some of you are honestly right now having a moment where you realize you have built an entire life upon an opinion that God has rejected. What are you going to do with that? Same thing happened to the prophet Elijah when he was talking to God's people thousands of years ago. They had moved into a culture surrounded by other ideas of God and other ways of living, other opinions, and they had stopped following God's ways and started following the opinions of the culture around them. And I love how Elijah worded it. It was the simplest thing in the world. Elijah came near to all the people and he said, 
How long will you go limping between two opinions? Look, if God is God, if Yahweh, if Yahweh is God, then follow him. And if he's not, do whatever you want. He actually continues by naming the gods of the culture that are not real gods. He said, look, everybody around us believes that this guy Baal is actually a god. He's not even, he's a figment of their imagination. So if Yahweh sits upon his throne, then you might want to do business with Yahweh. You might want to surrender your opinions to his. You can't keep following the opinions of these people who call Baal God. Because Baal isn't real. And I'd say to you today, you have to decide if God is God, if God is real, if the God of the Bible sits upon the throne who will determine your eternal future, who sits upon a throne of judgment that we'll all face someday, we actually are going to have to stop limping between two opinions. It's one thing for a non-believer to follow the opinions of the world, but if you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, at some point, it's got to impact how you live your life today and tomorrow. Not just going to heaven in the future, but who is your king? What are you going to do with a differing opinion? I was counseling a, a young woman one time who was in a very unsafe situation. She was dating someone who was abusive. She had moved in with him. She had met him at work. He was in every aspect of her life, and he was a bad person. So she asked for help. And I said, well, there's no easy answer. You're going to have to break up, move out, quit your job, change your address, tell no one, get a new number, tell no one that knows him, leave social media. You're going to have to become a ghost to your entire life. And she walked out of my office, straight-faced, and I thought, that'll never happen. She came to church on Sunday and said, broke up, moved out, got a new address, no one knows, quit my job, don't know how I'm going to pay for the new address, but I'm sure God will take care of that. Got a new number and left social media, and she is safe today. She wanted a better reality than the one she was living. The question was, was she willing to make the hard choice? And every single one of us, we want a better reality. We want one where God's favor and blessing is all over us. But yet we still want to live according to our own opinion. So today I'm going to leave you the whole series over with a simple challenge. I know what you want. You know what you want. God's favor and blessing. You just simply have to answer, whose opinion is higher? Yours or God's? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. You love us, you have forgiven us, you redeem us. We do know that you have established right and wrong. You have determined what you know to be true and what your opinion is of so many things that take place upon the earth. And God, we today say, would you forgive us for all the times that we've chosen our opinion over yours? God, would you help us to know your word? I pray for anyone here today who is uh, not reading your word on occasion, so they're not sure of what your opinion is. God, I pray that you would inspire them and you would you'd give them a hunger for your word to know 
where you stand. God, I pray for every one of us here today that you would give us a desire to honor you and that anytime we look and see that our opinion is different from yours, that we'll surrender ours, that we'll truly show the world you are God in our lives. God, we just thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I pray abundant forgiveness over every person here who is experiencing the desire to make a change from the life they had built to the one that you have for them. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to take a moment and speak to those of you that have yet to surrender your life to Jesus. As we've said multiple ways and multiple times today, actually, God loves you so much that when we went our own way and elevated our own opinions and got ourselves into a mess, he sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, so that then when his blood was shed, it didn't pay for his sins, he had none, but it pays for ours. That is how we're forgiven. And just as Jesus was raised from the tomb, that same power raises us to eternal life. This is what he offers us. We call it the free gift of salvation, but just like any gift, we actually have to receive it. And if you have never May Jesus, your King, receiving the free gift of salvation. I'd like to help you do that right now, wherever you are. Simply say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my simple prayer today, Would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would you help me celebrate with them?